Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Hollywood RX. The doctors are in. Doctors D and G, that is. How are you, Dr. D? Uh, I am D for delightful. I'm, uh, I'm doing well. Excellent. A little excellent. under the weather, but in good spirits. Sorry to hear about the weather, but excellent for the spirits. <laughs> Tonight we have You Were Never Really Here. We do indeed. Uh, for those who, who, who may have just only heard about this movie, this is Joaquin Phoenix as a hitman whose life spirals out of control on his latest job. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, it seems as though his life may already have been spiraling out of control as he approached this job. I'm wondering to what at what point his life was ever in control, if you uh, know what I'm saying. I'll jump off and say this is, I think it was about 90 minutes. It was uh, just under 90 minutes. And it it is a, a gripping but tough watch. Uh, it was for me and and uh, and my wife, although she doesn't get a full vote here. Um, uh, in any case, uh, I, I thought that, you know, Joaquin Phoenix was, disappeared, essentially. Um, behind uh, behind that beard and the hair and the lost uh, look in his eyes, I've grown out that same beard in honor of this podcast. Oh, um, really? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, not quite as full, but uh, definitely you have the gray and the. Uh, I do look like a lunatic. Uh, in any case, um, that's sort of my short thing. I don't want to get into too much beyond that because I do have stuff to say, but I don't want to kind of crack the egg open right yet. Well, I'll tell you, I found myself curiously not gripped. I felt about as tortured as Joe was, but I think the thing that got me the most was – the thing that got me the most is – I had a hard time penetrating the veneer overall. I felt, I don't know, I felt so disconnected from him that it took away a lot of in potential intensity to a lot of scenes. And I found this to be like this very muscular, trying really hard to be a taxi driver. And I frankly kind of resent that uh, people are drawing such easy parallels to Taxi Driver because I find them different movies. But that's a whole other mm -hmm. thing. But uh, th there's a shot in the very beginning, one of the opening shots in the opening credit sequence or very shortly thereafter, where the way mm -hmm. it's it's he's driving a car and the way it's lit with the lights of the city behind him in the background, I mean, it is, it's an homage to Taxi Driver. And Right, right. So I feel like I don't like this episode already. Why don't you take over? Oh, really? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. I found myself, no, I, I found myself curiously apathetic to it. I, okay, I think. I, I felt like it, there, were almost, there were almost little cheat situations of, um, you know, like we never really see him deliver hammer blows to someone who presumably gotcha. has gotcha. a loaded weapon on them, given right, their so occupation. Let's, let's... So I don't know, man. It's just sort of like. Okay. Yeah. The tortured vet going off the deep end thing is starting to become like a little bit of a cliche. Right. Okay. Right. All right. Well, I 
I yes, I I'm sorry. I'm not trying to shut you down. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. But 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 there are things to address, and I'm pooping on the party, so go for it. Yeah, no, 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 and it's fine. Listen, here's the thing: is that I I came in here expecting that I was going to be the one who was tearing this thing down, and I find myself in this funny position where now I feel like I almost feel like I'm going to end up championing it because I think I liked it more than you, even when. Much of what you just said, I agree with. I was just kind of saving some of it. I guess gr I used the word gripping, and you right away went like, "That's I wasn't gripped," and I feel like uh, maybe I misused it in, in a way. I just sort of meant, I guess, intense or yeah, it's an intense whatever. But yes, yeah. I mean, I was never bored. Don't get me wrong; I was never bored. But I found myself getting frustrated with it as time went on, and ultimately I found it never really satisfying. I felt like this movie fetishized being a hitman in this perverse mm. setup of a world. Wow. Yeah. I can't, I'm shocked by the use of the word fetishized in that there are so many hitman movies where there are glorious close-ups and gleaming and sort of sexy and this thing looks painful and horrible it did not seem like it was fun to be an, a, an assassin in any way shape or form it looked like it was all miserable all right. so to me that d doesn't like make it i understand i understand i find your words so interesting oh my um i don't mean that it sounded like i was being snotty i wasn't oh, thank you for noticing all right so <laughs> okay so uh, that bizarre laugh is thanks to my little cough. If I laugh the way I normally do, I'll just end up coughing. Well, well, let me explain why why I use that word. Because oh, I, yeah, felt, go ahead. I felt like it it like it was it was indulging to the point of exploiting very select aspects of the hitman life. Mm -hmm. And but it didn't provide anything other than that to me. It withheld too much. It just felt actually like like a really soulless movie to me oh that's so uh that's so interesting all right so i really did like this a lot you know you the moment well, I, I, there there is a moment i can that crystallizes to me like what this movie mm -hmm. is but it would be a major spoiler and i don't know if we want to do that yeah let's let's wait a in. couple more minutes we'll we'll start breaking it breaking okay. this thing apart real soon but okay i just so, wanted to okay, address okay. the elephant not exactly the elephant in the room but you you made a reference that i avoided making in my introduction and so i wanted to circle back around to it yes i think that i mean the thing is anytime you go on imdb it, it for like right. 10 days or whatever it was at least a week the background from any movie you were looking at was you were never really here it, it was just being sort of forced down your throat everywhere you turned. Hmm. Um, and that, and that quote from, you know, who, from the Kate Muir of the times, whatever her name is, taxi driver for a new century. And I just find that such lazy reviewing. It's, it's really the goal when she writes that and prints that is that it will get put on the poster or it will get put into the, the web, you know, ads. She's just trying to get her name yeah. mentioned by using that. And I don't know that other people are saying that too. I can see how they might. There were definitely shots that were lit like taxi driver shots. And in a way, I feel like that's better than them not doing it so that they can go, hey, look, this is 
we understand. Right. We're getting it out yeah. of the way. Just We're to acknowledging the, the fact that it's right. there. And I guess I, I guess that that's part of the problem mm-hmm. for me is sort of like I felt like it was trying to be called Taxi Driver for oh. the new century. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. It's the Kate Muir of cinema. Got you. <laughs> that's funny. Well, I definitely, when I was watching it, I thought, you know, like the elevator pitch might have been, what happened to Travis Bickle after? You know what I mean? Like, this guy has several several rescues down the road and so on and so forth. So let me just sort of start at at the beginning for me. Bring it. I kind of appreciate in general when a movie isn't going to take you by the hand and explain everything. Agreed. So those early images where you didn't quite know who he was or where you were or what exactly was going on, I was fine with that and was happy to sort of learn more about him as we progressed. And, you know, you get the sense that he, I mean, first of all, he's doing something, he's, you know, this recurring thing with the, with the plastic or the dry cleaning bag or whatever it might be. And then he's clearly, right. you know, washing up after some sort of violent thing, but you're not quite sure what happened. Then the guy sort of jumps him in the alley. And I did kind of I did kind of like that because it very quickly showed you this guy can take a punch and he can give worse than he gets. And he can absolutely take right. care of himself, even when somebody jumps him from behind. It doesn't slow him down. Yeah. It doesn't slow him down except for the point where he's trying to decide, it feels like, whether or not he's going to kill that guy. Because he right. stood there staring at him for a moment or two and then turned around and went a different direction than he had been heading. Right. So as it, like an introduction to him, I kind of liked that. And then, you know, his meeting with Angel and I guess Angel's son and ultimately his, you know, realizing that the kid, oh no, and then we see him with his mother. And I rather did like that that relationship um i just enjoyed the kind of sickness of it and that actress uh uh, what is her name it's not julia roberts but it's like it's judith judith roberts yeah judith roberts so what were you about to say about the mother son um yeah i i was fine with that although it did uh establish a recurring joke of psycho that I kind of felt, I kind of felt was unnecessary. <laughs> they leaned leaned into it a little bit. <laughs> well, I would have been okay with the exchange that they have about it, because it's almost because it's funny, you know. And it, and it's and maybe it's you know that was the getting that joke out of the way, right? <laughs> lest anyone start drawing comparisons to Norman Bates. <laughs> oh my God, Psycho for but, the new uh, century. <laughs> psycho, there you go. Right. So I, listen, I liked it. I, I mean, I liked that that beat there, and I didn't immediately see that actress and go, "Oh, she's gonna die." And then he goes and meets he goes and meets his um, I guess his ultimate employer. It's not exactly clear how it all works and how it's all connected. Um, yeah. Angel Angel is a middleman that Joe has deliberately put in place to keep distance from. Uh, whatever the character's name is, played by the actor uh, John, I think it's Doman is how you pronounce his name. Who? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I remember the guy. Yeah, yeah he's, he's from everything. 
absolutely everything. Currently, it can be seen on Gotham, the TV series. But he's just been, he's just one of those guys who, uh, you know, forever. He's just been there forever. I'm trying to see if there's one, like, other thing that jumps out, but I can't, I can't see. There are just a million of them. Oh, he was in Damages. I loved Damages, uh, Glenn Close's TV series. Anyway, so he goes to visit this guy, and one of the reasons I liked the casting on that particular actor is he, he very, very often plays assholes or heavies. And so when Joe goes to see this guy in my, you know, because I'm always got to be four steps ahead of everybody because I know everything, I go, okay, well, that guy is going to turn out to be a rat because you don't cast that guy to be nice, and then he's always going to turn out to be a rat. And so by casting him, they sort of subverted my expectations and got the better of me because he doesn't turn out to be a rat in the larger sense. It's not clear if he's somehow involved in any of the other stuff. But I don't think so, or there wouldn't have been a reason to torture the bejesus out of it. And yeah, you're right. This movie, like, like one of the reasons I end up loving the thing in the in the in the alleyway where there's like Joaquin lashes out in, in violence yeah. is this one of the few. I mean, this movie has a lot of blood in it, but you don't, you hardly see the source, the moment of impact. That's true. For as brutal as the setup is. Right. Exactly. And so yes. it could have been so much more. And here's the thing is that I kind of wanted more. I mean, there I have a certain amount of bloodlust. And as long as you're talking about Taxi Driver, that last five minutes or whatever it is, is gloriously bloody. You've waited a very long time for everything mm -hmm. to, to burst open. And I, I sort of feel like she was playing cutesy with, with the violence. I guess, I guess in a way, she, she was trying not to uh, fetishize and glorify the violence and make it more about the psychological and the characters and so on and so forth. I don't think the writing there was strong enough to support the emphasis on those things, despite, I think, the hard work that, that Joaquin was doing. Yeah. Anyway, I, I definitely, um, I was... Oh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, oh, yeah. when we say she, we mean Lynn Ramsey. Lynn Ramsey, right terribly here. sorry. Thank you. Uh, Lynn Ramsey is not a director I was particularly familiar with. The only other title that she has that I even really recognize is We Have to Talk About Kevin. Or uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin, which is from, you know, seven or eight years ago and is also, I think, also based on a book. And I actually now am kind of more interested in seeing it than I was hmm. originally. She's Scottish. That's all I have to say about her um, anymore. So I'm, I, I apologize. I should have named her. You're, you're right. That was. Uh, thank you for stepping in and just got to make sure everyone keeps up with us. Right. So anyway, um, I liked all of those pieces in the setup. Eventually, I sort of got a little bit worn down on the flashback snippets i know it was supposed to be every time we jumped back and saw him as a boy a little we saw more a little reveal. bit more and a little bit yeah. different and and learned more but i didn't have like the aha moment i think i was supposed to have with those with those right that's what i meant before when i said that's what i meant before when i said i thought it, it withheld more than what was good for it 
Yeah, essentially, yeah. Because then, I think uh, more than was than would have been acceptable, and still made it an interesting experience to sit through. But it, for some reason, even for all the bloodlessness of it, I felt really brutalized. Hmm. Yeah, like not brutalized, but it's rare for me to say this, but it was a really unpleasant viewing experience. Wow. I yes. I felt well, the after effects of the body blows he had taken that you were you were welted and bruised bruised and thrown around i don't know yeah that's that's interesting because i think that ties back into when i was saying that it was a hard watch i think that's a much more visceral way of saying what i was trying to say much less uh <laughs> spectacularly than you just did <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and all of that is just essentially setting up this next job, which becomes the main, you know, his next one that you're the talking about. Job. But here's a guy who's got suicide on his mind constantly, standing on bridges, sticking his head in, in you know, uh, uh, laundry, uh, you know, the plastic laundry uh, bags. So we know he's we know he's a, a rogue. He's on the edge. He's a, so he's just like constantly, and then and then haunted by these memories of things he saw or did during the war, uh, particularly him uh, being part of a group that opens a, a, a container, a shipping container to find, you know, it looks like a dozen or more dead right. uh, Chinese girls, probably sex trafficking type stuff. And also alternately by these this, the memories of either continual abuse by his father of his mother or a particular defining event of it. And and so I think the, one of the aha moments we were supposed to have is when we we realized that the father is carrying around a ball peen hammer. That we were supposed right. to be so curious that he had this odd weapon that he used when there are so many things that might be more efficient and dispatch people and so on and so forth. And then oh, there's a connection. Now my question for you is: Did you get enough from those flashbacks to understand? How did that situation that we were watching where the mother is on the floor or she's whispering shush and I'm assuming the kid putting his head in the bag is the same, the same event. Do we know how that resolved itself? Did he, did he no, kill we his don't. father? Then, well, that's the thing is I remember a snippet in the beginning of him as a kid watching someone, presumably his father, with the plastic bag over his head. But the line that the father says is something like, you never, you, you always, like, you never did a good enough job or something. Do you remember this? Um, because, the, because we see the plastic bag with, like, short, there, there's a close-up of, the of like, the jaw with the plastic hmm. bag over it, and it's younger facial hair. Oh. I see. That's his dad. You mean in the very beginning when we see yes. somebody breathing and the, then they like suck the in. the very first one. You can actually see their teeth outlined when they're doing it. I didn't realize yes. that was his dad. Oh, I wow. think that's okay. his dad. Okay. I think that's his dad. Or it's supposed to be him in between. Then and now. Oh wow! Okay, that's. Uh... But since but since he got the but since he got the hammer thing from the dad. It makes sense that it could be his dad because then it would tie into but if, the hammer thing, like okay. him becoming, like in a way, becoming his dad or certain aspects of his dad. Right. Now, but if I remember correctly, 
in that instance where the um, from that early shot where the guy is gasping, he does take the bag off, or does he not? We just cut away. I think we cut away. Oh, so maybe it is that his father actually did ultimately kill himself via what suffocation. I don't know what that would count as. Okay, all right, yeah, I this is this is helpful to. But you see, this is, again, this is more work than I want to do while I'm sitting there. <laughs> and apparently not well, even... Well, that's just it, is that... Well, that's just it, is that if, if, if this movie had done the job correctly, then I would have felt compelled to follow this guy. And I, I do keep going back to Travis Bickle a little bit because I was trying to... Say, I'm sitting there saying, okay, let's set aside for the moment the difference between what kind of actor De Niro is, Robert De Niro, versus Joaquin Phoenix. Not because I, 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 it's, it's hard to say that exactly, but we don't, get, we don't get very much at all about Travis Bickle. We see him interacting with a lot of people in different ways, and more than I think we get to see the character of Joe interacting with people. Um, you know, he yes. has a love interest. He, you know, the way he, the way he handles or the way he reacts to, uh, Albert Brooks, you know. <laughs> right. But that's just it. They're very humanizing experiences. Mm -hmm. He's socially interacting with people in normal situations. Right. Right. Albeit, you know, they, they don't go the way he wants. They go a little funny. They go a little south. That's part of what draws us into him. And Joaquin Phoenix does not have a normal social interaction with a single human being in this movie. Right, right. That's that's part of the reason why I take offense at the comparisons people make to, tra to Taxi Driver. Right. Because Taxi Driver is a lot more nuanced and does it the right way so that you care about him even when you're scared of him. Right. And here, you're just afraid of bumping into this guy on the street. <laughs> and you, you also care about uh, her in Taxi Driver. Because she is humanized, uh, you know. Um, the Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't mean Lynn Ramsey. <laughs> her, her, <laughs> or Judith Roberts. Right, right. Or Judith Roberts. Um, okay, so so that's all interesting. Anyway, he launches into this new thing about the new girl, and it all goes sideways and gets hairy and and so on. And he rescues her, but then he loses her again. And I mean, I think. By the end of it, I think that there was, if I'm piecing it together properly, that there was some sort of, you know, that her father was a deviant, just like several other politicians, and that there was this sort of share him around kind of a thing going on, and right. that when maybe the wife found out, her mother found out, the mother either left or was removed... Yeah, I was going to say, they, they didn't even mention the mother, right? Uh, they mentioned that she had either just disappeared or she had she was out of the picture suddenly. Oh, okay. Um, and so then the daughter disappears, and I think his, quote-unquote, falling off the building was either, either he was helped off that building. Right. Or because, you know, then, then it would all fall together that he had lost his wife and his daughter had run off, and so he killed himself as a cover story. Or once they got rid of his wife and they took his daughter, he just went, well, fuck it. Then I'm just going to 86 myself. 
and played into their hand a little bit. But it, no, but it doesn't make sense. He was he was helped off the roof he was because off. he had gone to the trouble of of getting somebody to get his daughter back. Yes, that's it. And so then, you know, I do sort of, I sort of like the thing where you go, hooray, he got the girl. And then you go, oh my God, this is much worse off than, it, you know, it's not that she would have been better where she was, but like, this is just a giant goat fuck of a situation. Uh, no offense to uh, any goat fuckers in our listening audience. No, 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 no. We love you. <laughs> Please tell your friends. Download and subscribe. Sponsorship's available. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> alright yes so okay yeah 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 so that's I kind of liked that part of it what I didn't like is that it ended up being this not a government conspiracy but that it was all about bad politicians in the end because that like felt... inner circle of politicians yeah that seems like oh my god wait it's Pizzagate it's the fucking Pizzagate scandal <laughs> now made real yeah, so so I felt I felt about that part of it where it reveal where the reveal is that it's just another politician involved that that's who has her. I felt about that. I think the way you felt about kind of the the vet who is uh, on the edge and that sort of thing. I don't think his vetness. I think it was his childhood that drove him more to his behavior and his demons. I feel like they were using the thing. Yes, the you're probably yes, you're probably right. To underscore this idea of that he wants to save these girls in this in in sex trafficking, um, and less about how he was haunted by you know not a Jacob's Ladder type whatever you know right the movie I had I could not I could not tell you what one frame of that movie was about but I remember I remember that little bit of it um, thank you so proud I impressed you um, I pulled I pulled one out of my ass. So, so there were parts of it that I really liked. And, and listen, I really liked that part where he parks the car, he gets out. Well, first of all, I like this idea that he has all these little rituals and all these little things he does, and we don't necessarily see them all together. In the first scene, we see him throwing everything away. And then in a subsequent scene, we see him buying all those same things again. And I kind of thought that was cool. Yes, um, but funny you should mention that. Because uh, I was waiting to, to, to interject with my joke. Yes. Jam. Yes, he's shopping around for all the things he knows he wants to get. So why does it look like a revelation to him when he spots the ball hammer? Two things. It's First, like this pause as he looks at it. Like, yeah, right. You. It's like, I well, think... I thought that's your instrument of choice. Aside from why you right. wouldn't use the same one over and over again. Give it a name. Oh, you mean like literally just keep the same yeah. one? Yeah. That's uh, a murder weapon, man. I, I don't have a problem with getting rid of whatever. He's leaving prints all I, over the I'd place. I'd have to go back. I'd, uh, I'd have to go back and look at. Yeah, and he's probably got his. He's on the grid somewhere if he was in the military. But um, and, and don't tell me that guy hasn't been arrested. Right. But no, no. no circling back, I, I, I'd have to go back and watch the first few minutes again, and I am loath to do that. Although I may find a way to sneak in and do it. I'm not a hundred percent convinced that it was a ball peen hammer in the first one. I feel like it had more of a claw. I feel like the one side was rounded, but the other side was more pointed. Hmm. But I'm probably wrong about that. What what that was was heavy-handed directing is what that was, and heavy-handed acting. Yeah, it was a heavy-handed moment, and it didn't need to be. Right, because then the, the camera hung on the rack after he took the thing away, right. 
and it pushed in on the hammer a little and I went, okay, the hammer is important, you know. Um, this is back to like 19, late 70s, early 80s TV shorthand, you know. You used to see it all the time on TV to the point at which I have like a super, it's, it's like, you know what it's like? It's like people who get stung by bees and the more they get stung by it, the worse their reaction to it is. <laughs> That's how I feel. If I have to see that kind of shot one more time, I'm gonna, my throat's gonna close up. I won't be able to breathe. I have to keep an EpiPen on me just in case I see that ham, hackneyed, ham-fisted shot. So anyway. Um, so now I'm, gonna, now I'm gonna bring up the spoiler. Do it. The grand spoiler yes. from earlier that I feel like sums up my feelings about this movie perfectly. And it's the scene where he discovers his mother's body Mm -hmm. and lifts up the pillow. Yeah. I'm like, this movie wants to pull the scabs off of a wound and not have to worry about where it came. Like, to me, that scene is, that moment is what's wrong with this movie. Because there's no need to see that, but it's about the brutal after effects and making sure that you see them. Gotcha. And just the gratuitousness of that moment that it could have been kept completely about his emotion and never saw, seen the gore. And that would have. But it was totally unnecessary other than this almost fetishistic desire to like see right. shot through the eye. You know, I would have rather right that we held on his face and then he turns away and then we cut to his hand putting the glasses Oh yeah! On the, oh, on the nice table, cut, nice out the cut. room. That's fantastic. What did That's you think fantastic. of the scene? Thank you. What did you think of? Uh, what did you think of him you singing the hitman to sleep? Huh? I said you earned your keep with that. But <laughs> oh, thank you. Putting that, yeah, I was wondering about that too. When you were taking, were you going to take a breath? I was going <clears> to <throat> ask you the same thing. I kind of. In general, I like that he went down and he dispatched one and he, he mortally wounded the other um, but had time to talk to him. In general, I liked that idea. And I kind of liked it while I was watching that beat at the end going, well, this is kind of different and weird and cool. But then I started to think as you were describing the scene with the mom and my, my brain started to jump ahead a little bit, I started to go, but I feel like they were just like, oh, look at us. We're doing something different and neat and cool. And that it somehow wasn't organic. It was just a little bit more that you see the effort. I feel like that scene belonged in a different movie. <laughs> okay. Almost. Like, even with the same setup, it would have fit another movie better. Which, I'm not even going to ask if, like, whether or not. I'm just going to cut to the Let's chase. See. Which other movies did you think of? While you were watching this, <laughs> okay. besides Taxi Driver, I will tell you, I I uh, have given this a uh, no small amount of thought. I thought of the 1990 Jason Patrick movie from a novel by Jim Thompson called After Dark, My Sweet. Holy cow! Yeah. With Bruce Dern as and and Rachel, the abominable Rachel Ward, I would sit down and watch that movie again. Except that every word she says is horrible. Oh, she's so terrible. 
in that movie. Hmm. But um, I mean, do you know how in um, Mammoth's House of Cards was that what it was called? Yeah, House of House yeah. of Games, House of Games doesn't matter. House of Games, House of Games. Yeah. What's the name of that actress who's in that movie? Uh, That's Lindsay Krauss. Lindsay Krauss, who was his wife and may still be, gives such a flat, unemotional, detached performance in that that I love that movie, but I hate her so much in it. I have watched it more times than I care to admit, given how much I hated her. Rachel Ward is it is not even as good as Krauss. Wow. Here. But so that was one that came to my mind. And just for the uninitiated, an ex-boxer is drifting around the country sort of after escaping from a mental hospital. And he, he just sort of meets a, a series of people but ends up with this uh, widow and her uncle. And the uncle essentially talks the two of them. They get a little amorous, the two of them. And essentially talks the two of them into a uh, kidnapping. And, uh, and then, you know, so the, and, and the thing is that, is that, uh, Jason Patrick is, is really good at it. And he's a boxer who has taken one too many punches to the head, but you know that underneath there is a guy who really can think who's smart, but is just three or four steps behind. And he's a guy who would be three or four steps ahead if he hadn't taken so much abuse. And mm. it's just terrific. That's Rachel Ward, huh? Are you sure that isn't Sean Young? No, it might as well be. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's oh, Rachel Ward. Okay. It's Rachel Ward. Now, even as I said that, I thought of another one, but you give me one, and then I have another on deck as well. Well, in terms of uh, movies you thought of, while... mood and spirit and feeling, <laughs> this is going to be from left field. The <laughs> 1971 version of Get Carter. Oh, my God. Michael Caine. Yeah. Michael okay, Caine. next movie. Yeah, oh, hold on, hold on, stop, stop, stop. For again, I, I have wor- I have a working knowledge of that movie or the and the subsequent. Okay, but just quickly run it down for listeners. Oh, he plays a guy whose uh, daughter is, jeez, oh, I believe, killed by uh, mobsters, and he basically goes after, goes after them as on as revenge. Um, it was remade right. with Sylvester Stallone. So Limey is essentially a, a Get Carter yeah, updated. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. So you're asking me for my next one? Yep. All right. You asked for it. Gone, baby, gone. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, this is Ben Affleck's, I think it was his... Directorial debut. Directorial yeah. debut. He made the absolutely genius and wise choice to cast young Casey Affleck instead of being in it himself, mm. um, which is what he had been considering. And Casey does a terrific job. This is long before Manchester by the Sea when we go, okay, that guy knows his shit. Um, he does a, a really good job, and it's really well-directed. I really do like this movie a lot. And <laughs> Lindsay Krause is in it, in it, and Rachel Ward. None of them are in it. Um, but oh, what we man. do have... Is the phenomenal Amy Ryan doing a terrific job, and Amy Madigan That's right. always hits it out of the park. Michelle right. uh, Monaghan. This yep. cast is is so deep. Uh, you've got Morgan Freeman, Ed Harris, John Ashton. I mean, Titus Welliver. Oh, and God, I love, and I got to go back and watch this movie again now. Michael Kenneth Williams, who's this terrific actor. I first really sort of got him. 
Uh, he was on Boardwalk Empire for, I think, the whole run or almost the whole run, playing hmm. a character named Chalky White. Fantastic. Uh, hmm. Who was sort of a, a criminal underworld type guy who uh, came into play many times. He has a speech in one of those things about his father being a carpenter. Oh, my God. It is so good. I wish I, I wish we played clips because it is a terrific speech and he does a phenomenal job. Um, he's he's given a, a Klansman who has done something to, uh, you know, make the mob upset. And they're sort of giving this Klansman to him to do with what he will. And he gives this guy such a speech. Oh, hmm. my God. So anyway, so in, in that one, I, I'm assuming people have seen this, but uh, Casey Affleck and um, Michelle Monaghan are private investigators who are asked to in, investigate a little girl's kidnapping. And so you've got a lot of grittiness and you've got, you know, uh, police that are somehow involved on the periphery and, and just this cast of really, it's just this really gritty, terrific movie. And it's not like he's haunted or tortured the way, the way Joe is in uh, Never Really Here. Anyway, it just, it made me think of it. Although again, this movie is way better. Call Me Be Gone is way better. What's your next one? The next one for me, which, and to me, it's the more apt. Okay. It's the more apt comparison than Taxi Driver. Leon, the professional. Oh, wow. Look at you giving the uh, European title. Well, the European title. You want to talk about fetish, the European title. Yeah. Yes, the European version is, uh, it goes places. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think it does. I mean, but I mean, it's essentially the same setup. It's like this lone, this lonely, brooding, silent hitman. Mm-hmm. Although amazingly, he has a heart. We discover early on, so we root for him. Yes, wisely we discover it early enough. Who sort of accidentally rescues uh, his neighbor, a uh, young thirteen, fourteen-year-old Natalie Portman, making her movie debut. Wow. Yeah, uh, he he sort of accidentally becomes her protector from a mob hit. Wow! And it's uh, it's basically like the last <laughs> ten minutes of of uh, you were never really here, stretched out to stretched out a little under two hours. Yeah. Or in some ways, it's almost like what comes after. Right. You know, which we haven't quite gotten to in our own little thing. I still want to come to come to that, but you know what I mean because you get to see the two. This older man and this younger girl. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent, excellent pull for, on your part. Very good. Oh, jeez. You get oh. to see the relationship between them developing more than we get to here. And it's the fantastic Jean Renault as Leon. Yes. And Leon. Gary Oldman kind of being ridiculous as the the villain. but <laughs> Yes, as a, a little cartoonish, but, yeah. uh, but um, fun. He was, I'll tell you what. He was a little less cartoonish in uh, The Fifth Element. That he was here. This is a joke because he was absolutely ridiculous in The Fifth Element. Yes, that is true. I will give you that. <laughs> okay. You know what's funny though? You know what all these movies have in common that we that we mentioned that this <laughs> that this movie made us think of? They all involve rescuing or avenging little girls. Mm-hmm. Hmm. There's there's a lot of that going around. I guess so. Yeah, you're right. I mean. In a sense, they are all 
the taxi driver for a new century or, you know, the new taxi driver. <laughs> it is the all of those movies for a new century. <laughs> yes. All right. I had one more just a quick tag on, but but it's sure. not anywhere near as good as the, the professional. And I don't even know why I'm necessarily saying it, it has to do with having a, a protagonist who is tormented or ha- having some sort of severe limitation. And it's, yes. a, it's a 2007 movie star, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt, which I really liked a lot, um, cool. called The Lookout. Oh, it's a crime I've not drama, heard of this. crime drama thriller. Uh, he um, he was the backstory for his character is that he was a promising high school athlete, and he had a tragic uh, accident that I think took the life of a friend, if I remember correctly. And also left him, he had a very bad, I think, skull injury. And so he is not operating in the same way that those around him are. And he's roped in to be the lookout for a, uh, for a heist. Mm. And it's just a, uh, it's just an interesting, it's an interesting, interesting movie. Okay. Uh, so, but having to do Love with Love him, so you know, I'll yeah, check it it's, out. It's an early one of relatively early one of his uh gosh he's the one who's been around for a long time okay jumping back to yeah the matter at hand i'm not going to go on endlessly here but i did want to say that i did like the scene where he buries his mother or he he disposes of his mother but in a way that seemed you know reasonably loving yes and that i didn't realize that his pocket was filled with rocks or stones. I loved that. Yes, that was a really that was a really nice reveal because yeah. I assumed when he was picking them that he was picking them to weigh her down. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I almost would have liked to have like seen him because okay, well, first of all, that was the deepest river in North America, if not the world, because he was very far down. It was a little exaggerated. Or I had, maybe I had it was a shape a, of water flashback. <laughs> maybe it was maybe it was a lake. I'm not sure. It felt like a river. But in any case. So here's the thing. There's this there was this panic that beset me because I know he's gonna save the girl. And then I go, Oh, wait a minute. He's trying to kill himself. Um now I know he's done that a bunch of times before, and then I've watched him try and kill himself and and give up, and I know he's not quite there. But maybe the death of his mother. So I was actually in that moment going, is he going to die? I mean, I actually felt wow. Jeopardy somehow. Which is incredible because you know how jaded oh, and horrible I am. And so then when then when I realized that yeah. maybe he wasn't going to be able to overcome the, the weight. Yes, that's true. There was that little moment. Of the rocks. I was terrified that he wasn't yeah. going to make it. Uh, yeah, that was this moment where I really, uh, I really actually felt a jolt of something real. Uh, and actual concern. So anyway, I wanted to highlight that little moment because it should get some. You know kind of what, credit though? You know what? In all though? of this, we should have. We should have <laughs> known as soon as his mother's introduced. We should have known she's going to die. Yes. Because a movie like this, what? The hitman's going to come home to his mom. Yeah. Right. After the big <laughs> climax, the big bloody right. climax. Is well, all I... back home to mom. Another day at right. home. And to no. think that she might die of natural causes in when the family is always the one that, you know, they always take out the family. That's right. Yeah. If she had been a dog, I would have immediately known she was going to die. But um, 
Meaning, a, you know, a pet. Right, yes. The other movie that this reminded me of. And oh, this, yeah, yeah. And this is going to be like my wrap-up statement, I think, on it. Okay, is, uh, okay. Because I would, I would have to say, this would be my, this would be the quote from me over the poster. It's the most unpleasant viewing experience since Bad Lieutenant. Oh, my God. Once he took wow. his shirt off at the end and he's all beefy, but he's still kind of mopey and weepy. I was like, fuck, man. Yeah. There he is. His Harvey Keitel's back. <laughs> oh, my God. That's uh, fantastic. Uh, but now that you brought it up, see, there's so many things about this movie I want to talk about. It's making me nuts that you don't, uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. I loved the the way in the ways in which his body was scarred and the degrees to which we saw it as we went along, because yeah. it told the story of all these different situations he had been in, both military, possibly his childhood, right, with the backs of backs of his legs, yes, and you know, I just I just loved that this his 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 personal history with violence was written out across his body in scars. Much like I hate to, I hate to say it. Um, much oh, like no. no, much like the very, the very same reveal in Goodwill Hunting, with Matt Damon's character. Oh yeah, recall. right. No, I do recall. I just watched it. Oh. I just rewatched it because I, I thought, have I lost my bitterness after all these years? <laughs> Let me guess. You <laughs> haven't. You um, still hate it. No, 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 no. It's not that I hate it. I absolutely adored it. I hated them. Oh, yeah. Uh, Matt yeah, and yeah, Ben yeah. For, for being the, the you know, we're basically the same age they are, and, and that it was them and not me. Right. You, mean us. you know, I put this in us. Yes. Right. Thank you. Oh, my God. Yes. Of course, us. Sorry. I put it in the same categories, my bitterness about Quentin Tarantino yeah, and some sure. of these other things. So I try to be fair when I, when I look at them. And listen, for me to go, listen. When the two of them got up there and they got their golden statues and everything, and I just sat there going, there's no way Ben Affleck wrote this fucking movie. There's, he is an egghead. If you go and look at, if you go and look at these scenes, right, there's a couple of scenes, but one in particular at the very end when he goes up to the house and he's knocking on the door and waiting for Ben to come out uh, the way he did in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But in the interim, we've talked about the idea that one day you're going to come knock on this door. I'm not going to be here. Right. And he knocks on the door and he doesn't come. And then Ben like realizes, okay, he's a little he's smile on his awesome. face. Yeah. If you go back and look at that scene. He has no idea what he's doing. I don't have to look There's at a that couple scene. Of... I remember that scene vividly. Not so yes. much for the same outrage at, at that moment of his. But because yes. I so much love the moment afterwards, and he gets back in the oh, car, yes. and he says, Go. "The guy's like, yeah, he's not coming." And Casey gets out of the back seat and does this yes. happy little victory trot around the front because now he's yes. got shotgun. Oh my god! Absolutely. So right. Okay. So here's the thing. This is, goes back to my bitterness. Is here I'm, I'm like, okay, if you wrote that dude. Either you didn't write it or you were such a terrible actor that you did write it and you still don't know how to play it. There's nothing going on in that character's head uh, because there's nothing going on in his head. He was terrible. So for me to go from that and having so much just resentment or whatever about them and their inability and it couldn't have been them and blah, 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 whatever, to the point at which I go, Gone Baby Gone is terrific. He did a great job with that script. I believe he, he, he did that. And he has done some other uh, writing and directing 
which completely turns me around. And I start thinking Matt Damon was the carbuncle on that writing team. Mm. So I don't know how I got off on that stupid tangent. Oh, doesn't matter. It doesn't exist. Oh, because you, no, because you had said about his scarred body telling the story. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I reminded okay, you about exactly. that Google haunting moment. Yeah. That's true. That's true. But I, I don't know. I kind of liked. I no, no, no. But it worked. There was, there was a, there was a gradual plan of gradual reveal. And, okay. And like you said, and letting us, uh, you know, sort of connect dots from fragments that we're picking up along right. the way. Yes. Right. Yes. It, I mean, it, some of that I liked. I just didn't feel like it all came together in the end. Yeah. Um, exactly. Because of, of <laughs> whatever. I had a couple more things I quick wanted to say. Oh, just. You know how I have this issue, and anyone who's listened to this show before, with the, if too many people die, then I don't care about the heroes anymore, mm-hmm. because why are they more important than all the millions or thousands that I didn't see die, or I didn't know when they died? Anyway, uh, there's a category that I also have with this, which is, after people have suffered enough, at the end of the movie, I kind of go, well, what are you going to do? What is What does the rest of your life even mean? And so... So you liked it when he said he didn't know. No, no. At the end, I thought, I don't know what's happening with these two. I mean, she says it's a beautiful day and he says it's a beautiful day. But I don't, that's not a happy ending. She's going to need years of therapy and he's probably going to end up with his head in a, in a dry cleaning bag. So uh, it wasn't like I felt like, oh, wait a minute. You know, their lives have changed in such a meaningful way that everything is going to be okay at some point somehow. I'm like, I don't know what the future looks like for the two of them except that maybe he ends up in jail. So I wasn't quite sure how to feel, but here's something interesting, just I'm jumping around a little bit. All that time that they avoided, I never quite got to say what I wanted. He got the car all set up, he opened the car door, the camera stays beside the car and the open car door. You know he's been watching the guy and the guys come out of the house. You, You can hear him go, hey, you know what, I'm looking for an address, and then you hear the struggle and he comes, he drags the guy and throws him in the car. And I love that idea that there was this off screen action, I didn't need to see it, I knew it was happening. And I was fine with it. But then I realized, like, after that, they constantly did the same thing by cutting to a thing the moment after the part I wanted to see happened. Um, and it became this, you know, it just happened over and over and over again. The mother and her eye and this, that, and the other thing. But here's the thing, right? Or him shooting all of himself that in the violence head at the they, very end. All of that violence they didn't show us. They did eventually show us a giant and horrific suicide image that turned out to be fake. Right. And so that just left me feeling, so the only violence I got to quote unquote enjoy was this horrifying fantasy or dream or whatever it was supposed to be. I I really would want to hear them talk about and justify some of that, some of that, those sort of elements and, and what they were looking to get out of it because they weren't getting it out of me. All right. I am essentially officially done with this movie, and I think you are too. Mike, I I, I don't even feel like doing a quick take. You sort of said, you said that you are done. You are done. I was. uh, I'm sorry. I came to the table done. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So my final thing is, I think I just said it, which is that there's a lot of really interesting moments. And, you know, Joaquin Phoenix is working extremely hard and I think well here. And it didn't feel like the usual collection of quirkinesses that he does. I just, I felt, I don't know, whatever. I liked it better. But in the end, some of the sort of artistry of it 
doesn't quite come together and consequently uh, it's a little bit of a, a letdown and uh, I want to see more people actually hit with ball peen hammers uh, than I got to. Well, maybe in the sequel you will. Uh, <laughs> yes, that is a good point. Uh, but I want to do a quick little rundown of these actors or a couple of them with you anyway. With regards to Joaquin Phoenix, where do you first remember him from, and what? Uh, oh, where do you stand on him in general? Oh, very easy. I I noticed him in To Die For. Yes. Along with our friend Casey Affleck. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I gotta go back and see that one too. Yeah. yeah. No. And it I thought, was like a. I thought he was great. I I I have not really been disappointed by him, even when I. Yeah, I feel actually. In a movie like this, I feel like he helps quite a bit with level of interest and filling holes and such. Gotcha. Yeah, I generally, yeah, yeah I like it. Generally. Okay. Um, I'm with you there. To Die For was like a coming out for him. And, you know, he was in Gladiator. There's a There's been a bunch of things that he's in. Sometimes I feel a little bit like, uh, oh, I liked him in Walk the Line a lot with yeah. Johnny Cash. Uh, biopic and the master I did too but yeah. one of the things I sort of feel like goes on with him is that his you know his hair lip becomes a shorthand for the person he's playing is damaged goods right and so one of the things I loved here is I couldn't fucking see his face yes and so even though I knew it was there it didn't weigh on me in the way it has before so I wanted to say that. I wanted to also say that I, I'm going to feel like an asshole saying this, I think, but I did not realize that Joaquin Phoenix and Leaf Phoenix are the same person. Who's Leaf Phoenix? Leaf Phoenix is what his, his given name was. That's what and I that's thought. The, the first, you know, I don't know, almost 10 years of his career, he was Leaf Phoenix and I don't know when he shifted over. He was in Parenthood. That was the last time he was billed as Leaf Phoenix. I'd, I'd be willing to bet you it was to die for. And that's why we noticed him. Good call. I'm joking. Good call. I'm joking. To die for was the next feature he made. There was a, a short in the middle. Who pays attention to someone named Leaf? I know. I know. But yeah, it was like Leaf and River and they all had right. these kind of weird names. Very interesting. I don't know where his brother passes in there. I'm wondering if it is after he does Parenthood. If he if he redefined himself after that. Interesting. You'd think it would be the Phoenix he would change, or all of it. But um, uh, in any case, he's got a couple of things uh, coming out. But one possibly notable is that there is an untitled Joker origin movie in which he will play the Joker. And if anyone could take the mantle from Heath Ledger. You mean from Jared Leto? <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't mean Jared Leto, but um, <laughs> well played, sir. <laughs> God, you are really, uh, you're on it today, man. What are you, you talking are, about? I don't know. I, I just. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. So anyway, he, he, I feel like he is always super strong, meaning uh, Joaquin Phoenix and looking forward to stuff from him. Oh, my God. We never even touched on Ekaterina, you know, Ekaterina Samsonov, who plays the little teenaged girl in this movie. Yeah. And she did a, I thought she did a fine job for what she had to do. 
I wish she'd had to do more. Yeah. She was in Wonderstruck, which came up the last time we were talking. Oh, that's right. Because the, gosh, the, uh, from Quiet Place, that, the deaf girl from Quiet Place, I think. Oh, that's right. Her. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Millicent Simmons. So I just, uh, I thought that was interesting that there was a connection between the two of them. And that pretty much puts me almost entirely out. I have one last thing I want to say to you and to sort of the audience in general is, is that um, I have recently uh, noticed based on statistics that are available from our download provider, whatever, that, that we are uh, an international, an international podcast. We have listeners literally all over the world. And I thought that uh, maybe next time we go out, we will uh, just, we'll just touch on some of the different places maybe, or, or send a shout out to, to somebody in a region in a far corner of the world. Who yes. Is either we will, we will. From that area or from here. But I was like, Oh my God, is this, can this be true? You know, we've, we've leapt off the continent. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to thank you for listening, for joining us once again. It has been our pleasure to be your doctors, but for now and until next time, your doctors are out. Ooh.